0: Friday, October 14th. And thanks for joining us for another Ben Jarofsky show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Chicago Reader for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of jazz cabbage you can find at local dispensaries in the city. And also columns from your very own Ben Jarofsky. Make sure you check it out. Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help the show, it's super easy. Just go over to uh, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jorofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y.
1: Hello, everybody. Ben Jorofsky here. We're calling this J.B. Pritzker Polling Well Friday. Man, that is a mouthful. Yes, indeed. A poll just dropped. Be- That's the sound of the poll dropping. I saw it in today's Sun-Times, or maybe it was WBZ. I cannot remember, ladies and gentlemen. It was a a joint effort, WBZ and the Chicago Sun-Times. You know, they are uh, affiliated these days. Uh, They're owned by the same bunch. Um, Anyway, a poll shows J.B. Pritzker comfortably ahead, 49 to 34. I'm doing this off the top of my head over D.B. Bailey, the downstate MAGA man. Uh, And uh, this is a legitimate, quote-unquote, media poll, as opposed to a poll released By campaigns. And this is kind of an interesting little tactic and strategy. I'm not quite sure we, uh, I don't believe I've ever talked about this before. I find this kind of fascinating, the way polls are used by campaigns to send out messages. We are bombarded constantly by propaganda during uh, election season. Just uh, My general recommendation is to never believe the bad stuff uh, one campaign says about the other and never believe the good stuff they say about themselves when you get a piece of literature in the mail because this is called propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what it is. You know, and, uh, ideally, you would listen to the Ben Jurofsky's show and come up to your own conclusions about what's going on politically because we talk about politics nonstop, or you would read your beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun Times or the Chicago Tribune. Uh, stay away from the editorial pages, it's so toxic over there. But, uh, and, uh, you know, whatever news outlet you want that you believe is uh, more or less objective, you know, they're, they're not just shoving propaganda down your throat but uh polling was supposed to be a barometer of what was going to occur in the election just it Strategists obviously use it uh, To uh, tailor their campaigns Figure out where they're weak, where they're strong Where they may spend their resources And the as the campaign unfolds What kind of themes to hit Hard on, so for instance uh, The Republicans discovered in their polls In their internal polls that people were concerned About crime uh, And so they've been hammering hard at crime They probably would have done it anyway Because it's uh, always a favorite Of Republicans to try to scare the hell out of people uh, With crime, but they've been hammering bring it hard and it has been successful. The opening question in the de- gubernatorial debate last week began, and I'm paraphrasing, polls have shown that the number one concern of about 47% of the people uh, in the state of Illinois is that crime will rise because of the Safety Act, which is the act that was attempt to reform criminal justice. What do you think about this? And they asked both candidates that. And my point was, cite uh, the Safety Act as a danger because they've been hammered over the head quite successfully. Bam, bam, bam. That's the sound of the hammering on the head. By Republican strategists for working on behalf of Darren Bailey to scare the hell out of them with the Safety Act. So, duh, the propaganda campaign worked out. And you saw their example. You saw that reflected in a poll. And then J.B. Pritzker had a duck and dodge with his answer. Instead of defending the Safety Act, he kind of was evasive on it. Darren Bailey frothing at the mouth, so excited. You know, wow, there was more crime in Chicago. That means well for my campaign. Weird system we have. Anyway, so that's an example of how polls are used tactically in a campaign strategically. But there's also the horse race aspect of it. who's up, who's behind. Uh, you know, and so uh, pu- the, the public as a whole has uh, learned uh, to uh, study polls as it's just sort of like in an, an anticipation of what to follow. And if you're a diehard Democrat and the poll is close, closer than you want, you get nervous. Oh, I'm so nervous. Dems are different. Republicans, Republicans never get nervous. Republicans think that the poll is flawed. They go, oh, well, you know, polls don't accurately indicate how people are going to vote. So they always think they're gonna win, even when they're behind. Democrats think they're gonna lose even when they're ahead. That's the story of those two parties. Dems live in fear. We cower in the shed. I'm so scared. (laughs) So, Bernie, you're talking too much about inequality. Stop talking about inequality. It's gonna scare liberals. (laughs) Dems, you are a trip. So Republicans like like to boast about how they're doing in a poll, uh, and then they just ignore when the things are doing well, and they just ignore it when things aren't doing well. Oh, well, that poll doesn't know. Uh, and so an interesting tactic by Darren Bailey's uh, supporters, they've been releasing their own polls. I've noticed this. I haven't really talked about it on the show because I don't believe them. Like That's just propaganda. And then it's, it's like. A convoluted poll when they release it, it'd be like, well, our poll shows that uh, J.B. Pritzker used to be head uh, by a combined margin of 15 percent. But now, if you add up every single poll in the state, it's only five percent. And then they text me. (laughs) This is another thing Republicans do. They love to trash talk. They'll text me. Ben, did you see this poll? I mean, it's like propaganda. That's like saying, Ben, did you see this campaign flyer? Why would I care about a campaign flyer? It's just propaganda. Why would I care about a poll released by a campaign? It's just propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not quite sure why the Republicans do that. Oh, no, I just figured it out. I know. So they release this poll that may convince some donor to kick in money because things are closer than they than they think. They might fire up the base who may suddenly say, um, you know what? There's a chance we could win. I'm going to vote. And there's, it's just like they love messing with liberals and lefties, more liberals than lefties. Uh, and so, you know, trolling the libs, as they like to say. So they like, just release it just to mess with the liberals. <laughs> and then they just love watching liberals. They list, liberals be listening to WBEZ. Like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I'll be having dinner with one of them. Then I, I heard of WBZ. There's this new poll that said it's closer than, than, than we thought. What do you think? So who the hell knows? I generally, generally as a rule of thumb, have more faith. This is so obvious in a poll conducted by a legitimate news outfit like WBEZ and my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times. So I think 15 percent, 15 percent, 49, 34, uh, solid lead for Pritzker. On the other hand, he's not over 50. And there is a little part of me that's liberal. Hey, I'm scared. <laughs> i'm scared i'm a liberal all right that's enough on the polls for the moment i could go on and on about it without further ado i'm gonna turn things over my partner in crime here the man the myth the legend no i'm not talking about dr d and no i'm not talking about miles davis I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend from Alton, Illinois, producer Chris. Take it away, Chris. Thank
0: you, Ben. And if you're new to the show and you don't know what we do, it's Friday. Oh, what a week. What we do here, Dennis usually is your guy, and he's usually setting Ben up with some of the top stories from the week, and then he just lets Ben riff on them, And we all love that. I love to hear Ben riff on stuff. Uh, But since Dennis is not here, I am filling in as his relief pitcher. Ben's going to still knock it out of the park, I guarantee you. Uh, But we got to start off with one of these stories. I'm a history guy, Ben. So I like history and I know you love history especially political history. I mean that's literally like your forte. So a, a name you might remember Mike Madigan.
1: Oh Michael Joseph Madigan. Yes. Could,
0: yeah, can you Okay, for for 10 points. How long was Michael Madigan Speaker of the House in Illinois?
1: Well, that's a tricky question because he did two stints. He had a stint in the 80s and then he was defeated. The De- The Republicans took control of the House in the 90s. Uh, and then Michael Joseph Madigan regrouped and uh, the Dems took back the House uh, in the mid 90s. This is my all long winded uh, lead up to me trying to hurriedly calculate the two stints he had as speaker and I am going to say so the, the, the 323 I'm going to say uh uh 27 years
0: see the I mean you may be correct too cuz the quote the, the the number I found was 24 so <laughs> okay, either so they, way a, an exorbitant yeah. amount of time as speaker of the house no
1: yes it is uh, and the, I don't know where, where, where that source is, but First of all, I'm not absolutely sure it was 27. What I did, again, ladies and gentlemen, he had two stints, one in the 80s, one in the 90s. So I added what I th- vaguely remembered was his stint uh, in the 80s to what I thought his stint was in the 90s. I could be off, but it, let's just say it's 24. Yeah. That's a long time, okay? That's a quarter of a century, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's a long time in any uh, in any political uh, field, but particularly Speaker of the House, where every single piece of legislation comes through the House and the Senate. So he has a hand on it. If you want anything, if you want anything done in the state of Illinois, no matter what, if you're a business person, if you're a lefty, if you're a unionist, if uh, a union person, if you believe in gay marriage, if you believe in abortion rights, if you're against abortion rights, if you're for criminal justice reform, no matter what, your legislation will go in front of Michael Joseph Madigan, and more likely than not, he will ask you, okay, you want your legislation? What will you do for me That's how Michael Joseph Very transactional man Michael Joseph Madigan And 24 years Let's just say it's 24 years, Chris
0: Okay, let's, That's call, a long it, let's time. call it 24 But this week Out of the Chicago Sun-Times We get a story New charges filed against Mike Madigan As Illinois agrees to pay A $23 million fine The utility has also entered into A so-called deferred prosecution agreement With the U.S. Attorney's Office Similar to the deal cut by ComEd When the feds charged them with bribery More than two years ago Oh, I know you want to talk about Bribery, Ben. I know you want to talk about Illinois politicians. Take it away.
1: All right. Very good. Yes, this story broke. Uh, this is the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning, ladies and gentlemen. A, a friend of mine sent me the text. Uh, can you believe this? And uh, Michael Joseph Madigan is still coming after him. They're still, the feds are still uh, uh, trying to put him in uh, prison, federal prison, for the way he ran the state of Illinois. Uh, so yes, there was the ComEd scandal. Which broke about three years ago. We talked about it endlessly in the show. And now there's the AT and T scandal, very similar. Two mega corporations again needed legislation passed in Illinois. All right, so you got to come before Madigan with your proposal, with the bill you won. In this case, AT and T, the phone company, wanted to get rid of landlines. The obligation to have to pay landlines was a controversial bill. Even I've got rid of my landline, by the way. I just want to point that out. Uh, even old Ben has got rid of it. But there's a lot of people who love their landlines. You know, they don't want to go the way of uh, either they can't afford to or they just don't want to deal uh, with a cell phone. So a very controversial bill comes before Madigan. AT&T wants to get out of the business. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan is essentially saying, allegedly, what are you going to do for me? OK, and in this case, what he wanted done allegedly. All right, I'll put that allegedly out there. These are allegations. Uh, so what, what he uh, wanted uh, to be done is that some of his cronies would be hired as lobbyists. This is very similar to the ComEd case. So at and by paying a $23 million fine, is essentially uh, admitting, acknowledging that they gave something of value to a public official. And that's wrong because, as Chris says, giving something of value to a public official is a fancy way of saying they did a bribe. They bribe. They they essentially told Michael Joseph Madigan to let him know that uh, they would hire his cronies as their lobbyists, and in exchange, he would allow this bill to come before the House, and maybe he would twist a few arms to pass it. So that was just the mentality of Illinois politics for years under Madigan. I very critical as a lefty of Michael Madigan because he had no ideology. It was all transactions with Michael Madigan. I was very critical until the Rauner years when he all of a sudden out of nowhere found his working class roots and became a union supporter and battled Rauner on the issue of collective bargaining rights. And I I had to tip my hat to him because I felt that that was a stand he took that was very important. Uh, and protected union rights in the state of Illinois until the very existential threat of Rauner and the corporate right had passed when J.B. Pritzker defeated him. Battle of Billionaires, 2018. and Rauner retreated. Now he lives in Florida, where he supports Ron DeSantis. So I credit Madigan for that. But before that, I watched Madigan in operation, and I know this is how he would operate. This is how Michael Madigan would operate if you were a lefty. Okay, so we see how we operate as if you're a corporation. If you're a corporation, uh, he would say, all right, huh, let's throw it around, huh? Throw it around a little bit. And you would hire, allegedly, and then he would want you to hire his lobbies. He would want proof that you had uh, sufficiently kissed his ring. And then he would allow your legislation to pass. Go ahead. If you were a lefty, what he would say to you is, well, uh, let me see, show me what support you have. In other words, I am not going to lift a finger for you i want you to do all the lobbying for me you are representing some lefty cause that'll make the democratic party look good to progressives and lefties but that doesn't really put any of my guys on any payroll that doesn't improve my property tax business that doesn't make me a richer happier man i don't really care about your lefty legislation you here's a phone here's the phones Make some calls, twist your own arms, line up your legislation. And when you come back to me with 60 votes demonstrated that you have, well, then I'll release your legislation for a vote. And you know what? Maybe if I think it's in my best interest, I'll vote for it. So that's how we treat the (laughs) lefties. My poor beloved lefties, like we would be calling state reps. They can be very squishy, by the way. You think aldermen flip flop? State reps could tell you, oh, yes, I'm with you. And then all of a sudden, you don't hear from them again. They drop you. They're not with you because the other side got to them. So that's why Illinois didn't progress as fast enough as I would like on things like minimum wage, a progressive tax. We're a disgrace on the progressive tax. We all know that. Michael Joseph Madigan had no ideology other than Madiganism helping Michael Joseph Madigan, which really isn't an ideology. It's more like self-help. So yes, these allegations, these federal allegations, uh, are a reflection of how he dealt with corporate interests in the state of Illinois, as opposed to how he dealt with public interests in the state of Illinois, and how he dealt with lefty interests in the state of Illinois. And again, as Chris pointed out, he was in charge for 24 years or so. He dominated the legislature for 24 years. I remember in the early days, people would be like, We can't figure him out. This is is a favorite Tribune article. We can't figure out Michael Madigan. He's so complicated. I go, no, he's not. It's all about what's in it for Madigan, okay? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he's uh, gone. He's left the scene. Although I have friends who tell me, Chris, I don't know if any of this is true. Really behind the scenes, Michael Madigan is still making phone calls. Unbelievable. He's still operating. I'm like, I Man, I think you guys are believing in the boogeyman. You know, you guys. I, I have a feeling that Michael Madigan has other things he has to worry about, like staying out of federal prison. Yeah. But you know what? All you MAGA people out there, you should uh, give every night when you go to bed, you give a little thanks to Michael Madigan because he's been the uh, tool that MAGA Republicans have been using for years to turn voters against the corrupt Democratic machine. <laughs> Even though Republicans act like a machine all the freaking time, you can't tell me that Ron DeSantis is any less of a machine candidate uh, than Michael Joseph Madigan. Donald Trump, my God, he's the the quintessential big-time boss. You don't really care about er eliminating corruption in politics or machines. You just want it on behalf of your cause, your MAGA cause. But anyway... Uh, Michael Madigan is a convenient tool for Republicans in this state for a long time, uh, and uh, he's been helpful. His behavior has been helpful to the Republican Party for, uh, as uh, to some degree or another, as Chris pointed out. Every campaign, somebody's running against Madigan. The guy's been gone for how many years? Two or three years, and they're still running against Madigan. He's a crony of Madigan. So Republicans, you got to thank Madigan. Thank you, Madigan. Thank you for doing for giving us a tool with which to hammer liberals and lefties
0: and dams. Oh, Take it away. Okay, <laughs> moving on to story number two for, oh, what a week. A lot of people get their news from traditional sources, TV, radio. Ben, I know you get your newspapers. I know you still get them delivered, home delivered to your door. Let's see one of them. Oh, there it is. There's a Chicago Sun-Times. Love to see that. But some of us younger people, I'm, I'm 37, I'm not much younger, but I'm still a little younger, we get a lot more of our news from the internet. So I get stuff from Reddit and from Twitter a lot. So I follow the Chicago Board of Elections on Twitter. So the next story I kind of want to dig into with you is about how the polling places are changing. I lived in Chicago for six years, and luckily I was in that window where it didn't change, so I didn't even have to worry about it. But for especially young people now living in the city, if you voted somewhere, last year four years ago at some point in the past you might have to go to a different polling place this year and and i wanted to get a little bit of that and i'm sure there's a lot more to the story that you can dig into ben
1: all right so yes this is uh, actually uh sort of a mini uh story erupting in chicago right now more geared toward the mayoral election which will be in february willie wilson uh mayoral candidate willie wilson is raising this issue but every 10 years uh, we have a new census a new counting of who lives Uh, in cities, states, and towns, et cetera. Chicago, no different. Uh, And then after the census, they reapportion uh, the wards to make sure that each ward has roughly the same number of people in it. Uh, and uh, so there's new boundaries. It's a very political process. It's a very heated process. It's a very personal process for uh, the, the politicians uh, who are trying to fight to keep t- territory uh, for themselves. It kind of exposes just like a, a seamy side of the human personality because longtime allies will end up in fierce battles. Survival with each other. Sometimes they're put in the same. We saw this. Um, Maria Neum, Marie Newman was put in the same district as Sean Casten in the congressional race of the suburbs. And they're not longtime allies in that case, but they are allies. They were allies. They had a fierce fight. Sean Kasten won. We've seen that happen before uh, many times across the board. Uh, so that's just one uh, element of reapportionment. Another element is, as Chris is alluding to, when you reapportion a ward, you in many cases you have to um, change the polling place. of of where people vote. You change, you reconfigure precincts. And when you reconfigure precincts, uh, you have to vote at a different place. And um, this could be problematic. Uh, If you're used to voting at the same place every year, year after year, and they suddenly change it, there's a moment of panic. And I would say it's a senior citizen boomer panic. I talked about this er, earlier this week, but the older I get, Chris, you are still very, very young, okay? When you sit out, you hold your eyes laughing like you think that's old. The older you get, ladies and gentlemen, I'ma put this out there for you to realize this, the more ang- anxious you get about things that young people just take for granted. So for instance, I always make fun of myself. I have extreme boomer anxiety when it comes to anything tech related. And Chris knows this because he's been working with me for about three weeks now. So I'm always afraid like to click anything on the computer because I'm afraid it's gonna shut everything down. And we're gonna, our interview will end. And then I'm like, what do I do? That happened yesterday, by the way, it wasn't my fault, but we uh, we had an interview, nobody will know this. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. <laughs> we're here, we had an interview. And for some reason, everything crashed in the middle of the interview. I'm not sure whose fault it was. I'm not, in the back of my mind, it was my fault somehow. And so, when we came back, there was a uh, we were doing the interview, and something popped up on uh, my machine, like some kind of computer message. And I was about to X push the little X and get rid of it. And then I thought, uh-uh, if I push that X, the whole thing could crash again. <laughs> my poor guests would be like what kind of cheapo show is this so i did the interview ladies and gentlemen i I played in pain i did that interview with that big old thing in my computer that's because i suffer from boomer anxiety so a a lot of old people have anxious so it's like you vote at the same place year after year and all of a sudden you get a notice that says it's changed chris I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, that will freak someone out, someone of the over 70 persuasion, maybe even over 60. Yeah. Why do I do, and, and you know, invariably someone will call me. Like, Ben knows everything. My goodness, <laughs> I'll get a call. you like, first of all, I'm not the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners, but I'll get the call. Property taxes, tips, voting rights. I'll get a call from some friend. I I got this notice. Uh, Or the word, oh, God, they hear it on BZ. Then they get so scared. Or GN.
0: I heard on WGN this news story. If you get that many calls, imagine what happens when David Orr gets home. I'm sure his machine is, like, ridiculously overflowing with, like, what's going on? Yeah, David Orr, the old
1: clerk, yeah, who's changing it. So they do this consolidation. It freaks everybody out. Uh, But there's also, you know, uh, I'm against the consolidation. And I listen to the, both sides of the discussion of the debate. I'm like, how much money are we actually saving? You know, can consolidating? I don't know if it's that much. On the other hand, you're freaking everybody out. You know, it's just, and then everything here's the, the favorite. This is what people who make change like to say to people who are freaking out over change. Change is hard. <laughs> change is hard. No, it's not affecting you. It's easy for you to be so smug. Change is hard. That's what our mayors say when they do something really unpopular. Change. Rom used to say, though, change is hard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? rom has got a freaking post box. I always wonder about this. Like, Rom, where you used to live, he didn't live there, he's in Japan, anymore, stop the post box, right? I'm always wondering about that. You're know, talking about consolidations. One of the consolidations I had to deal with uh, 20 years ago was the elimination of post box. You know, they got rid of them. They scaled back. You know, fewer and fewer uh, people using the mail, I understand. I'm like, how is it that he's got a mailbox, literally like, like within a half a block of his home isn't that funny how that works change is hard but not too hard if you got a mailbox right down the end of the street so anyway I, I i'm sympathetic to the argument that willie wilson is making that somehow or others is voter suppression um that people you know if you're uh, confronted with a uh, change in your voter registration or, or excuse me in uh, where you vote uh your precinct location then you might not vote at all And people in Chicago, we should encourage as much as we can uh, everybody to vote. So this is kind of like, you know, similar to efforts by Republicans to crack down on the number of sites you can go to mail in uh, to drop off your ballot. You know, you just make it that much harder or more difficult uh, for people to uh, know where to vote. So maybe they won't go to vote. And uh, I'm not saying that's what the uh, Chicago board election is doing, but it could, I mean, if they're doing it intentionally, I'd like to, I need more evidence of that. Uh, Like when it comes to Republicans in the South, in Texas and Georgia, not just that, in, in Wisconsin, I could see a direct benefit that they would accrue by getting rid of reducing the number of voting sites, or uh, getting rid of drop-in ballot sites, I could see a direct benefit they're going to get from that. Everything they can to uh, minimize the Democratic vote helps them. And they don't do the same kinds of changes in areas where Republicans do well. So I, 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 I I see that correlation in Chicago. Generally, these kinds of things will help. These kinds of changes will help incumbents. So Willie Wilson running against Lori Lifefoot would see it as benefiting uh, her over him. So I get it. And um, I, I'm with Willie Wilson on this one, uh, Chris. I think, you know, let's just keep the number of precincts. I don't care. I think of all the money our, our city wastes and all the dubious programs. Uh, encouraging people to vote, I don't view that as a waste. Uh, So that's kind of my stand on it. And by the way, God bless you. You get your news from your phone, Mm -hmm. more power to you. As long as you're staying aware, you know what's going on. Uh, It doesn't matter to me if you don't read it the old fashioned way.
0: It, it's all about a, about how you want it distributed to you. It'll get to that paper if it if it came out online like this next story that I uh, I've got came from WGN TV 17 hours ago. So it may not be in print yet. So that's kind of the thing. I think younger people are kind of in tune to like trying to. To get something as soon as it comes out, and things like Reddit and Twitter make that easy. But we'll move on to this WGN story. This is a positive one, Ben. I was a Chicagoan for a while. Uh, I still consider myself a transplant. I feel like a lot of people that move to Chicago and aren't from there, live there for five, 10 years, move somewhere else, still feel like they carry a part of Chicago with them. So I, I feel that way. And you're a long time Chicagoan. So I'm going to throw this at you. One of the uh, cities, pardon me, one of the neighborhoods in Chicago was named one of the coolest neighborhoods in in the entire world, not the country, not the state, the entire world. So Time Out Magazine ranked Avondale 16th on its list of 51 coolest neighborhoods in the world. So have you spent some time in Avondale, and, and what do you like doing out there?
1: Oh, oh yeah. I uh, spent about, um, I forget how many years as a neighborhood news reporter for the city, for the uh, reader. and I was, I've was i been to every neighborhood in the city of Chicago more than once. It's only post uh, uh pandemic where I become a recluse. I very rarely leave my house. Oh, I am breaking free of that, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'm getting over that boomer anxiety. I went to the Bulls game the other night. How about that? I go bowling every Monday. now. How about that? So I, I go to the library every week. So, you know, I am breaking away uh, from the recluse, but for so long in the pandemic, I just retreated to the cave, listen to my music, uh, <laughs> read books, and uh, watched sports. But I am breaking out. Uh, So, yeah, I know all about Avondale. It's interesting. Uh, You know, here's the thing. I read the article. There was an article in Black Club uh, that when you told me I was unaware that of that great designation uh, for Avondale, the city of Chicago. And it is I'm going to usually I'm a very jaded, a cynical person. And I view articles extolling the virtues of individual neighborhoods uh, as puffery uh and uh you know diversions from the reality of what life is like you know and what we have to be doing to change the world to make it better but chicago is under siege so much chicago has become such a symbol of everything uh that maga hates and so it like nonstop. Since Donny Trump first announced he was running for uh, president back in 2015, they hammer at Chicago. They do that because Barack Obama is from Chicago. <clears throat> I mean, it, he, this is where he began his political career. <clears throat> and uh, it's a democratic city, and a lot of black people live here. So that's why they do it. Uh, and it's really cruel, and they never uh, seem to offer anything remotely resembling something that would help the city of Chicago. They just use whatever misfortune that Chicago may find itself dealing with as a way to scare people or enrage people like, well, look what's going on in Chicago. So the bottom line is Chicago is used as a punching bag. So any kind of good news for Chicago, I welcome. So I'm not going to approach this with the typical amount of jaded hate <laughs> that I would like Whenever Chicago Magazine would come out with those articles, the 70 coolest neighborhoods in the city, I'd be like, oh, God, what puff. Uh." (laughs) You know, I'm a shaded old newsman with a cigarette habit, but I don't have a cigarette. (laughs) And um, so I welcomed him. On the other hand, I took the deep dive. And here comes the geek. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. I took the deep dive into the story about Avondale. (sighs) And the reality is that our crazy system of property taxes. I know people are like, how can he get to property taxes from this? That's 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 his genius, ladies and gentlemen. But just follow me. Our crazy system of property taxes will essentially annihilate whatever is cool about Avondale. Like it annihilated whatever was cool about Lincoln Park or Lakeview or Liquor Park, or Bucktown, or any other neighborhood that is gentrifying. And I think what like is quote unquote cool, and I I got in quotes about a neighborhood, is that moment where like the old people who lived there with the old culture that existed in the neighborhood, is infused with a new culture of people moving in. And it's just kind of that mix and it, it, it's it's a short-lived mix, because sooner or another, sooner or later, the new people moving in will price out the old people, and so you won't have the cool culture. It's called gentrification. It's it's the goal of city planning. It's what our mayors, if they have any goal, which they probably won't state, it's the policies. It's the uh, policies they've been pursuing since the '90s when Daly took over. Move poor people out of Chicago. Bring in wealthier people. Make Chicago a, uh, a wealthier city. That's, that's their plan. And their chief tool is a rising property tax. And I saw this, Chris. Uh, I go to L.A. a lot because my kids live in L.A. I'm going to write about this. I haven't, I haven't re- uh, written about this yet. But I discovered, just because I'm a curious guy, that I go to Los Angeles, I started reading about how Los Angeles works. And Los Angeles uh, has a form of what they call acquisition based property tax. So that means your property you pay, your property tax is based on how much you purchase your home for. So if you purchase your home, if you're Chris and you purchase your home in 19, let's say, 95. All right, let's just say this, Chris, 1995, you bought a house and he paid $100,000 for it. I'm just making this up. Today that house cuz of gentrification is worth a million dollars. If you bought that house that if you bought that house when it was worth $100,000, the property tax man in Chicago would think you have enough money to buy a house for a million dollars even though you don't. And your taxes will be that much higher because the property tax assessment is based on what the most recent home sales are. In LA, your your assessment is based on it's frozen at what you paid for the house. So you paid a hundred thousand dollars thirty years ago. You're still paying a, a assessment. Your, your assessment is still a hundred thousand dollars. That reduces the amount of taxes people pay, and as a result, neighborhoods don't gentrify as quickly. Yeah. So this is how a nerd turns like a feel-good story about a groovy neighborhood on the north side of Chicago into a nerdy discourse on property taxes and gentrification. Anyway, so congratulations, Avondale. Any good news is good news.
0: And we'll move on to another neighborhood in Chicago that's not getting as much recognition as it should, especially from politicians. Ben, you talked about this on the show with Dixon yesterday. Belmont, Craig, and voters feel like they're being left behind or that they're not being represented properly, I I guess I would say. This came out of the uh, Chicago Sun-Times, and I just want to hear you riff on this because I know you, you talked about it a little bit yesterday, but we only got like a short five minutes, so I'd like to get a little bit more on this story.
1: Belmont my in residence. So the Chicago Sun Times for the last month or so have been sending uh, various reporters out uh, to communities throughout the state of Illinois and the eve of this election to sort of profile the, uh, the views of voters. What are, what's on voters' minds? Uh, how do they view uh, the government? How, do, how representative is government for them? Do they feel alienated, left behind? Do they feel represented? Uh, and to a large degree, the reports uh, that have come out from uh, the various... Um, towns, there was uh, one from downstate Illinois, there was one from Waukegan up north, and now they have one in Chicago, uh, have reflected a similar lament, which is somehow or other the, the voters feel left behind. Now, it was interesting, the voters in uh, downstate Illinois blamed it on Pritzker and Democrats. They go, well, they all they care about is Chicago. They're very specific. Uh, in Waukegan, as I recall, there's just this general a feeling that nobody cares about us whatsoever. And that was a similar feeling in belmont Cragen. Like, people didn't even know who their state reps were, their state senator, their aldermen. They were, like, walking around confused. I, yesterday in yesterday's show, uh, did a typical Boomer thing and just was really irritated at the ignorance of voters and uh dixon uh chastised me as millennials will do when i do this millennial activists i'm too hard you gotta learn to talk uh with voters ben not talk to voters so i feel like uh you know there's a certain amount of pandering that goes on to voters uh like voters ignorance is excused as a byproduct of the system i talked about this at length when there was a corruption case. Uh, alderman Patrick Daly Thompson was convicted on corruption charges. The alderman of the eleventh ward, the grandson of Mayor Richard uh, J. Daly, and one of the jurors, a thirty-year-old woman from the suburbs, said she never even heard of the dailies until she was asked to be a jury on that jury. And I was just like, it blew my mind. I'm like, how could you go through life in the Chicago area and not have heard of the Daly's? And invariably, I was the one criticized Ben. She's from the suburbs, Ben. She's only 30, (laughs) Ben. You don't know rappers like everything they could do to like, (laughs) excuse this unbelievable ignorance. So this is like, I deal with this. So these voters don't know who their alderman is. And I'm like, how could he go through life? It's just like, I guess I'm on a different planet and not know who your official is, your alderman. I mean, and there's a lot of answers for it that have nothing to do with people, you know, gerrymandering of districts, et cetera, and so forth. So that was my theme yesterday. I got a phone call from a politician, not a politician, a a political uh, activist from that area who's worked on many campaigns, and he was living. I was driving to my friend's house last night to go watch the Bears game. This other guy came on. Kevin, we'll call him, because that's his name. And he was like, Those, "Don't they know this, that, and the other?" He talked about all the initiatives that local aldermen and politicians have made for people in their area. You know, like, uh, community centers that have been built with public money, and then he also pointed out that every campaign season, literally dozens and dozens of mailers fill the mailbox. If nothing else, they're soliciting your vote. So how could you not know the names, like? Oh, I guess you just don't look at the mailings and then you complain. The, you're, you are ignorant about what's going on in your neighborhood and you're complaining that somehow it's somebody else's fault. I mean, it's like me complaining that I don't know who, uh, the, the number one show trending in Netflix is well, it's because I don't pay attention to any entertainment news. You know what I mean? It's like, nobody Netflix is not accountable to come to my house, ding dong. Uh, Ben, the number one show on Netflix right now is whatever. So it's just kind of a a weird attitude. Uh, And, you know, a sense that voters everywhere are upset. There's a lot of reasons to be upset if you're a voter with the way things are run in the city of Chicago or anywhere, a feeling of helplessness as if you really follow stuff. You know, you don't see your money spent the way you want it spent. You see waste, uh, you know, maybe you don't like the policing policies of the city. Maybe you you're like Nick Sposato and you don't like all the settlements. the city. there's many reasons to be critical. But just this like general notion that somehow or other government has failed you because you're not paying attention. I don't buy that. That to me is pandering to the voter. That to me is oh good voter, you're ignorant, you don't know anything. The one dude who still kills me. He got he's definitely not voting. He calls himself a Democrat. This guy from the article. Definitely not a Democrat, but he's he's definitely a Democrat, but he's not voting for Pritzker. That's clear. Okay. Doesn't say why he doesn't like Pritzker, just not voting for him. So then Manny Ramos, the reporter, shout out Manny. Ask him, well, are you going to vote for the other guy? He didn't even know who the other guy was. <laughs> the other guy is Darren Bailey, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? Most Chicagoans had no idea who Darren Bailey was, DB, the big feller, until he finally won the Republican primary. Now, if you listen to the Ben show, we talked about Darren Bailey all the time for two years, okay? But, you know, the level of ignorance among voters in general is astounding. The level of ignorance among Chicago voters is a particularly, it's, it's like a subset that really irritates the hell me. haven't lived here for 1981. So that's kind of my attitude about the folks at Belmont McCragan who are whining and crying about they don't know who their politicians are. I'm not feeling it, guys. I think the onus is on you. I, th- I really do. I think it's not that difficult to like, I mean, go google your address in uh your little cell phone y'all have cell phones then you'll see what ward you went then you can go look that up yeah so where's the will
0: only thing i'll say to that is i think this is where we catch to one of those other age disconnects like you were talking about earlier with property taxes and, and all the other things because i think young people are used to being fed information they're used to receiving Twitter updates. They're used to receiving Instagram feeds. Like so, typically, if it, I think the the political spectrum has to kind of figure out how to reach those people if they want those votes. So yeah. I, I wouldn't. I I know. I know the the older gentleman in you wants to blame these kids for not doing it but all i'm saying is think about it a little bit from their side they do need to be educated and they need to educate themselves i'm not going to disagree with you there um, but the just the way we receive information is totally different now
1: i would 100% agree with you across the board in that except some of the people interviewing the story were of, of the 50s persuasion wow. so they got no excuse okay and by the way ignorance crosses all generational lines when it comes to politics all these boomers uh, who voted for Trump, they didn't even know it, just out of hate. You know, I mean, they're as ignorant. <laughs> uh, and, and how about, how about my favorite target, the old people, retirees on the northwest and southwest sides of the city who voted against the fair tax, would which would raised the taxes on the richest people in the state to help pay for pensions. Many of these people are pensioners. Uh, based on a commercial they saw on TV. You don't get much more ignorant than that. And I, I cannot blame that on millennials. I cannot blame that on Zs. I cannot blame that on people who don't read a paper. Ignorance, when it comes to politics, is a all-generationals ballgame, my friends. So if the Democrats, to Chris's point, have to do a better job of outreach by somehow using technology, go for it. I, I get barraged. I talk about this all the time because I I, I find it a, a sort of a useful form of information, even if it's annoying. I get at least 20 emails an hour from MAGA from so many different. Donald Trump wow. loved me. It was constantly because I never take myself off the list. Wow. Okay. So I, I, like my name, my email address keeps getting sold to various mailing on mailing lists or email mailing lists. And so I'm barraged. I can't tell you how many Tim Scott, Herschel Walker, every single Trump, Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, Donald Trump Jr. I get them all. Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. I get, I get your emails. Like, okay. But I hardly get any lefty or liberal stuff. So... I mean, I don't know if uh, young, I, I don't know, you would have to help me with the generation breakdown of like, maybe only geezers read email these days. So maybe they like they figured out I'm a boomer, send them boomer stuff over email. I don't, maybe get text. I got one text from uh, Mary Pototo, who's running for Congress in uh, Alaska. That's the only uh, solicitation I get is a text, but I don't, I know that MAGA is trying in their own way to reach people uh, through their phones in ways that once again my beloved democrats oh, yeah
0: it's it's super efficient to do it that way I think is why they do it and this is this has brought me to our next uh, story that I want to talk about it's not really a story in the paper but it's a story I wanted to riff on a little bit I live downstate now lived in Chicago for six and a half years um, but I still get political advertisements for all over the state because I'm on list and things like that Uh, I received a 60, I've never received something so large as a political mailer. I've received 8x12 big, like, flap in the wind things that have a picture and tell you why you should or shouldn't vote for somebody. But I've never received a 62-page booklet like I did here. This booklet is called The Governor You Do Not Know, What Every Illinoisan Should Know. I mind you, 62 pages. This doesn't have my name or address on it. They just put them in every mailbox down here. So I don't know if you've been getting political mailings like you've been getting the email. But, I mean, all over the state, I feel like, especially down here where they think we're vulnerable to a Republican turn, I, I think they're really throwing money at us.
1: They are. And that is a pure propaganda. Even though Pritzker's picture is on the cover, uh, that was produced by opponents of Pritzker. I think that's a... Uh,
0: Produced by the people who play fair, or pardon, I always screw this up because it's such a ridiculous name. People who play by the rules pack.
1: Yeah, it's completely Orwellian. Uh, it's Dan Proff's pack, or uh, the pack he controls, uh, that is uh, using the uh, money that it raises from gazillionaires like Dick Uline uh, to attack Pritzker and try to elect Darren Bailey. And uh, it's such a joke, the thought of people. I've already riffed on this many times. People play by the rules. Uh, Darren Bailey, there was this one simple rule. Wear a mask when you go uh, into the General Assembly meeting in the middle of a pandemic so you don't either catch uh, COVID and then some poor nurse or doctor has to treat your dumb ass when you get schlepped to the hospital. OK, you know, remember, remember that at the height of the pandemic? Joe Rogan and all the uh, anti-vaxxers were like, it's only old people dying. It's only people with asthma. You know, it's only people at risk. It's like nature's way of calling its most vulnerable people. They kind of had that really like cold hearted attitude, like scoffing at other people dying. And then when Joe Rogan got sick, oh my God, they brought every freaking doctor to his house. Don't bother sending him to a hospital, get him to the hospital. Give them every freaking pill that could remotely help, they thought, you know, even the horse pill, okay? So it's like when when it's other people, it's like, ah, let them die. This nature catching up, culling the, the people we don't want anyway. But when your butt gets COVID, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump, Joe Rogan, it's like, oh, hands on deck, save this man. So uh, anyway, you know, D.B. didn't wear a mask because his liberty not to wear a mask his right not to wear a mask. But it was the rule, D.B. I thought you played by the rules. Oh, I see. Some rules you play by, other rules you don't play by. Huh. I get it. Very interesting. So it's pure propaganda. Anybody believes that junk? (laughs) Whatever. So uh, the interesting thing, Chris, even though I'm barraged by email from MAGA, like I said, 20 an hour at least, I don't get any flyers, uh, mailings. And that's because I presume I live in an area that's just, you know, the Democrats, this another problem in our system. There's no competition with the Democrats. There's nobody I could really conceivably vote for other than the Democrat, unless I just wanted to like vote green, which I've done in the past. Uh, there's no Republican opponent worth a person like me voting for. So why waste money? Now it'll be different when it gets to a municipal election and they're not running with a party label and everybody's a Democrat and I'll start getting uh, literature. And it was different during a primary season when you know re- Democrats are fighting each other and they each want my vote. So they'll solicit my vote with mailings. But right now, why waste money on this guy? Why waste money on it? But you know, you're considered, you're more valued. You're, uh, just by virtue of the fact that you live downstate, you're viewed as a swing voter. So they'll send you, <laughs> lucky you. You get like a 60-page chunk of propaganda. So
0: my potential to be manipulated is valued, you say?
1: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and by the way, they're shaking me down. Um, on the line, not for my vote, because I can't vote for Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, or I can't vote for Herschel Walker uh, in Georgia, or I can't vote for Tim Scott in South Carolina, et cetera, and so forth. No, they're (laughs) soliciting me for my money. They want me to send them money. Send money. Donald Trump sends me money for so many different initiatives. It's always the lefties, the radical left is coming to get me. Send me your money, Ben. I'm like, and sometimes it's weird. Like, they'll call me, and sometimes the name will be my wife's name. No, that's the Dems. Whenever I get a solicitation from the Dems, they send it to me in name of my wife. And sometimes, I don't know how they got this, they get my wife's name wrong. So they'll send it to Peggy. <laughs> like, Peggy? Oh, the one of the Dems get crushed. They think there's a Peggy in my, there's no Peggy in my universe, let alone my home, let alone my phone. So I, I don't know. you're lucky. You're you're not a lucky man. I I meant that you're not a lucky. Your your house is filling with trash. I get rid of year. it as
0: soon as it comes in. It it, it if it wasn't sixty two pages and I wasn't going to talk about it, it would have gone immediately into the trash. All right, very good. All right, last thing I want to talk about on the show, Ben. I saw this in the paper, and we started with history. We started with Matt again in history. I want to go back to another man in history. President Biden has commuted the sentence of low-level cannabis offenders. Ben, this takes a real turn for Biden. I mean, for so long he's been he's been hard on the dope, uh, but this is a, this is a turn, and this is something you don't usually see history-wise from uh, from guys like Biden. So, what do you yeah. think on this?
1: Well, I've, uh, uh, I've been for the legalization of reefer forever. I've never understood why it was illegal. There's never been any logical reason why it was illegal. Uh, Everything they said they intended to do by making it uh, illegal uh, only made it more attractive to people, more dangerous to smoke. Because you you didn't know when you're buying an illegal reefer, you don't know what you're putting in your lungs. Uh, So ultimately, you don't know. Uh, There's absolutely no inspections of the reefer they send. So it's just a tool, has been a tool uh, to lock people up. Uh, it's a savage, cruel, uh, stupid policy, the uh, making marijuana illegal, and uh, it's been largely used in the city of Chicago to lack up black people. So on top of everything else, it's racist. And I couldn't never understand why a Democratic party, that uh, is trying to present itself as an alternative to cruel, mean-spirited, stupid policies of MAGA and Republicans would cling to these ancient, antediluvian, to quote Harold Washington, policies of illegal reefer. And Joe Biden has been at the top of this list. Joe Biden was the classic Democrat back in the 80s and the 90s who uh, wanted to outdo Republicans on the issue of crime, Going to, um, excuse me, the interest uh, issue of drugs, gonna show the Republicans that you can't say I'm wimpy liberal when it comes to drugs. And this goes back, folks, I could go on and on. This goes back to Nixon and running against McGovern in 72. And McGovern's, one of his platforms was to, I don't know if it was completely legalized reefer, but uh, to lower uh, the uh, punishment for people caught with possession. And they call, oh, he's soft, he's for abortion and acid, <laughs> acid. So Democrats, when when Nixon wanted a landslide, move right, we're going to show you. It was so stupid, they were hurting Democrats. And it was a really dumb, cruel policy. And Joe Biden, I don't understand why he clings to this day. So this effort. That uh, which I welcomed because I welcome any softening of attitudes toward reefer. So I did welcome it, Chris, as did you. I know. Uh, But this is like such a little mini step because the number of people affected is minuscule compared to the number of people who are still in prison and the problems caused by the fact that marijuana is illegal uh, as a federal law. It's against federal law. And so this is it's not only the right thing to do, it's the issue that will help Democrats. You talked earlier in the show about the Democrats' weak attempts to reach out to people your age, your generation, millennials and Zs. Who else, most of them are smoking reefer. I don't know about most of them, but a lot of them are smoking reefer. This would be a way to do it, just one mini way. And his reluctance, his reluctance to take a libertarian approach in this, I, it just baffles me. And it's like this mini step. And you know what? I am i don't want to get too personal with this for Joe Biden, but Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, really struggles with addiction. And Republicans use Hunter Biden as a punching bag. And the other day they released this tape. I don't know how they got it of Joe Biden leaving a message on his phone for Hunter Biden, and saying, son, I love you. You need help, son. And I forget what addiction Hunter Biden had. I don't know what it was, but it, it was beyond marijuana. You need help. So the dad, who's, he wasn't talking about sending his son to prison. He wasn't talking about that kind of help. He was talking about therapy, doctors, treatment, getting off the drug going on a 12-step whatever whatever it was he was you need help son he wasn't saying i'm bringing the feds in to lock you up so the the guy who approached this issue with when he dealt with his son is nothing like the man who approaches his position position as a public official so the laws we got to be tough we got to be tough with drug offenders they're committing a crime they're sending a bad message I'm like, that is some sick twist of Everything our society, attitude our society has toward vices is so inconsistent. It's such a mixed message. I talk a lot on this show about the gambling industry in Chicago, the gambling industry across the country. I know so many of my friends are hooked on on on-site gambling, sports betting. Man, their fantasy football leagues are a form of gambling, but there's they are betting parlays. Man, I got a great parlay. Look at it. They're always telling me about the parlays they got. You know, you know where all gamblers like to brag about the bets they're making? You know what I mean? It's like me bragging about the bull's head I just bought. I got another great bull's head. I got like 12 bull's heads. So, why is that acceptable? Even though it's an addiction that can destroy families and lives, but Reefer is not. You know, why is drinking acceptable, but reefer is not? I mean, you ever been in a bar with a bunch of drunks? Some of them packing pistols? I don't know how that's less dangerous than reefer. And yet it's considered a great triumph when Joe Biden moves an inch, (laughs) an inch, so, Dems, once again, you know, you, you just, once again, you disappoint me, Dems, but you know what, Chris, I'll take what I can get to a certain degree, and uh, I just have this fear that, like, I want the federal ban on, Republic, on uh, marijuana to be uh, lifted. Yeah. But I just from a political standpoint, I want to watch some Republican do it. And then all these Z's and uh, millennials vote Republican because of that. I'm like, and then they have these barbaric laws uh, uh, on, uh, on taxes, on pollution, uh, on guns, etc. cetera, and so forth. But, hey, they're the party that legalized reefer federally and they'll win the benefits. Some Republicans going to do it. And I'm like, you dumb Democrats, man. Once again, just once again, your own
0: worst enemy. And oh, what a week it's been. It's been a great show. And I appreciate you giving me all the time to set you up. Ben, if there's anything else you want to say, here's your time.
1: No, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to uh, thank Chris uh, for doing a great job sitting in for Dennis and DJ Nate. Don't want to forget him. Uh, You guys are awesome. And uh, I talked to Dennis, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say this. I talked to Dennis earlier this week. Dennis is fine. His wife is fine. The baby's fine. Everyone's fine in Dennis land. Uh, and he said, Chris, he might come on the show next week to give us an update so we could hear from himself. So I'm really happy to give a shout out to uh, the doc who is um, a proud papa. I also want to thank Chris, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, just like Dennis. For some reason, the only producers I have are from Alton, Illinois, uh, for doing a great job. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody.